Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Friday afternoon. It's a fun Friday show. Always having fun on a Friday afternoon. Getting ready for a big playoff weekend. The news has been fast and furious all week long. We'll get into the head coaching carousel in college and pro and all of that. Uh, Alabama has their coach and Texas is not losing theirs. We'll get into that. Uh, Some NFL talk as well as we get to the playoffs. Uh, Some NBA talk and some college basketball. Texas takes on their next big 12 opponent uh, on Saturday. We'll get into all of that and much more, including your text messages, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. So we ask you, whatever you guys want to talk about, your questions and your your comments and your hot takes and whatever else, send those in on the text line. We try to get to every single one uh, on the show to keep you guys uh, as the main focus of the sports complex. Uh, but it's going to be a fun weekend. Col- uh, NBA, you know, college football is over, which is disappointing. But the NFL playoffs are just beginning. Both Texas teams are in the NFL playoffs, so cannot wait for that. Uh, and we did find out today that uh, last night, right before I went to bed, I did see the tweet out from Sark talking about how Texas is where he wants to be and that it's a good day to be a Longhorn, I believe is what the text said or the tweet said, and tweeted that out last night. And then this morning, uh, we saw the hype video package from the Longhorns, which he retweeted that Texas is the best place to be, and you want to be a coach of Texas, which is basically uh, we Florida State has now done that as well after they gave Mike Norvell a new eight-year, uh, ten million a year contract. They gave him that contract. There's a uh, everyone you know we know Dan Lanigan. He got his contract, or he's getting his contract, his raise over at uh, Oregon, and he's staying there. He put out his hype video for recruits to let everybody know that he's staying, and it was going down the list, and some people around Alabama were maybe getting a little worried, not the people at Alabama, because they apparently had their guy. And the narrative they will spin, whether it's true or not, is what they're going to say for the history of time, is that when they 
when Nick Saban told them he was stepping down in Alabama, they knew their guy. They knew the one they wanted and all the rest of that media, the rest of that smokescreen, uh, but they knew who they wanted, and that is who they signed today. Kalen DeBoer, the head coach from Washington that took Washington to the national championship game, he is now the head coach of Alabama. And it puts us in a a crazy place that when we talk about how insane the schedule is for tech, for college football and how you know you never really get a stop in the recruiting and the transfer portal, and it seemed like the transfer portal was still going but kind of dying down a little bit. We're seeing where more and more people are landing. Well, Nick Saban leaves, and if, when, anytime there's a coaching change at a school, it reopens the transfer portal for 30 days. And that's one of the reasons why Alabama needed to get this hire done by today. They had to have a hire done by today. Because once it gets into the weekend and players are now, you know, going into a Saturday and a Sunday and they don't know and now they're watching NFL with friends and everyone's asking where they're playing next year and if Alabama has it, you can't go. They said they were going to give them three days. They get the job done. They hire Kalen DeBoer. But you could not push this any further we know there's already some, a couple of people jumping in the portal there, but you hire Washington's coach. So another playoff team, a team in the national championship, their window is now open for 30 days. Uh, we've already seen that Dylan Johnson is going to the NFL, the running back for, for Washington, who was so beat up at the end of the year and told the story that in the Pac-12 championship game, he was so drugged up. The last carry, he doesn't even really remember. He just remembers telling his coach, uh, his coach told him, don't drop the ball. And he carried it. That that's what Kalen DeBoer remember, or the the Dylan Johnson remembers. He's going to the NFL. Uh, and then there's a there's a big name too in the transfer portal that everyone in Texas got excited about. Jabbar Muhammad, Malik Muhammad's cousin. He is now entered the transfer portal at Washington. And now a lot of these Washington portal guys are not necessarily five stars. They're not. So a lot of them have performed very well. They're gonna look. They're gonna get more options than they necessarily got uh, coming out of high school. But they may end up at Alabama too. Kalen DeBoer may take some of these guys with him to Alabama, may try and get a couple transfers that guys that he really likes and guys that are his guys uh, to, you know, if they want to leave Washington, they don't want to be there. Maybe he'll grab some of them at Alabama to replace some of the guys that are leaving Alabama. But it is, it is crazy to see two of the four coaches are now have now left their schools. Now one of them is went from one to another, but two of them are two of them left. And we all know, that Jim Harbaugh has a very big possibility that he might be leaving too. They're doing the parade in Michigan this weekend. So J.J. McCarthy can't say whether or not he's going pro or he's coming back until he's either going to say it there or if he's leaving, he doesn't want to, you know, he wants to go have fun and celebrate the championship win. He doesn't want to announce before then. But the by the way, the, the deadline for underclassmen to uh, – to declare themselves eligible for the draft is Monday. I don't believe that affects Jada Barron because he is a senior. Uh, he has another year of eligibility with him, but he is he is he's not in the underclassmen category. So I don't believe he has to declare by Monday. But you may expect to see if he does or not. Uh, if he's coming back, if he's going pro, if he's hitting the portal, uh, we'll see that. That'll be by Monday. Uh, but we won't. We don't know if he's going to make that decision this weekend or not. But there will be more names. So if we say three out of the four teams in the college football playoff had the possibility to have different coaches, 
which means all have their transfer portal open. It means a weird shift in college football that we haven't seen of all these great programs that, you know, other than Alabama, Washington and Michigan were very much teams that were a little bit older and teams that had more guys ready to go to the draft and guys that kind of got to where they were going to go. You know, Michael Penix Jr. and Odunze and a lot of those guys uh, for Washington are going to the next level. However, some of those guys may be coming back. Some good players that we've seen, offensive linemen, defensive linemen for either one of those schools, may you know want another year and want another opportunity somewhere else to show what they can do. And for Sark... Knowing that he's staying, knowing we haven't heard what his contract extension is, but we have to assume that he has gotten a contract extension or is close to having the the verbiage finalized and that being announced. That what does Sark want to pull out of this and who can he get out of this transfer portal to help fix up a team where we know Quinn Ewers after yesterday is coming back. We know there's some pieces, but do you want to add another veteran wide receiver? You've got Matthew Golden, but can you get someone that's a high level, a top guy from Washington, a top guy from from Alabama, a top guy from Michigan. Can you go get somebody like that? Can you get another pass rusher? Can you get another linebacker? Can you get some guys in that secondary to grow that secondary and and expedite the growth a little bit in that secondary? It'll be an interesting world to see what happens in the next few days. Uh, we do know Jabbar Muhammad is the first name that pops up that everyone in Texas says there's an immediate connection to. It is uh, Manny Muhammad, Malik Muhammad's uh, cousin. So, you at least have somebody who's going to be calling him, but he may also want to just go to Alabama and follow Kalen DeBoer. We don't know. Uh, that's one there. But, yeah, Florida State's going to be still doing well because they are paying Mike Norvell. He is going to stay there. Alabama gets their coach in Kalen DeBoer. I think it's a good hire for Alabama. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can recruit, but I'm sure they're going to put some people around him. Nick Saban is still a part of that organization. So if you have Nick Saban to help Kalen DeBoer recruit – because I believe they were 26 this year in recruits in a, in a school that went to the college, went to the national championship game. 26 in recruiting class at Washington. Another reason why Kalen DeBoer might want to get out of Washington, knowing, well, man, I can win and we can pull it up. But, man, it's just hard to recruit. In Alabama, it may be easier to recruit at Alabama because it's Alabama. If we keep winning and I go into a place where it's already built and I'm just a really good football coach, can he keep the, the myth and the, the – the, the dynasty going alive at, at Alabama. And so I think it's a great hire. We'll see if there's going to be a butting of the heads. I think that you're going to see uh, more attrition, not necessarily from guys this season, but I think you could see the transfer portal be pretty brutal to Alabama next season uh, for guys who just don't like the coaching style. If it's a different style than Nick Saban, I think you could see some attrition that way. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad hire because I think you'd see that if it, with any coach. I, I don't think that he's necessarily, you know, the only one in that. I think if, whoever you hire, there's going to be a couple people that leave right now that say that's not who I came to play for. That's not what I want to do. He's not a proven uh, NFL uh, pipeline, and you know, I didn't I didn't come for his offense. Defensive players may say I wanted a defensive coach, Nick Saban, and that's not what I came here for. We'll see what it ends up with Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator for. For a Texas, a very sought-after coach as well. When we look into the fact that he is uh, somebody that, you know, if you have Kalen DeBoer, he might bring in his guys. He might bring in his, his D.C. that he's been with for years and years. There's a lot of questions that will be still be happening in Alabama, but I think it's a really good hire for Kalen DeBoer uh, at Alabama and opens up the door that there's now the transfer portal, that if he's not a great recruiter, 
to keep these guys, maybe someone, maybe they hop in the portal. Maybe he doesn't recruit them to stay. Maybe he comes in and gives that speech. Hey, well, we're going to win, but if you don't want to work or whatever that speech is that most coaches give and some guys go, well, screw that, I'm out of here. And they hit the portal and, and, you know, just another opportunity for Texas football with two guys now, two teams that are now going to have a 30-day transfer portal, maybe some more people in there. In Michigan, we still don't know. That won't be until they can hire coaches. And, I mean, really, the, the thought of these teams, do they want to wait until the window opens where they can uh, talk to assistants? Because that window has not opened yet. And it puts everybody behind the line a little bit for hiring college coaches into the pros. Speaking of the pros in the NFL, uh, we did get the word that we know Bill Belichick Yesterday, the news was that Bill Belichick is out in New England. Not a huge surprise that he is out in New England. Uh, And not a huge surprise that Gerard Mayo is now taking over as the head coach. That was the rumor all season long that he was a guy they wanted. And the only reason that it was maybe uh, not thought that he was a shoe-in was because they thought, well, they underperformed. And so they want somebody completely new to come in. That was not the case with the Crafts. I think if you saw the writing on the wall for the years coming into this, that Bill Belichick has basically keep continued to lose power, and you know the whole Bill Parcells, you want to be the one who buys the groceries. Well, he wasn't necessarily the one that was buying the groceries. Maybe, maybe he was door dashing it a little bit more. Maybe he was Instacarting it a little bit more, and he'd say, "Well, I need, I need two limes," and they go and get him two tiny, pathetic limes, and he says, "That's not the limes I wanted." I needed DBs, and you didn't get me the DBs I needed, and you thought that this guy was going to be great, and he didn't turn out that way. And it felt like at a certain point he didn't want to deal with that anymore. He saw the writing on the wall. He walked away. But Gerard Mayo was coming in. They feel in New England that this is the new path, that this is a much more likable coach. He is much more of a player coach than Bill Belichick is. And it's a first-year coach, but there is a ton of experience in that building uh, that they're going to try and build on. We also saw the commanders hire Adam Peters, the assistant general manager for the 49ers. He is now the general manager for the commanders. And for and it, it's not huge, but it is something for, for Cowboys fans to look at, for the 49ers, for Texans fans to look at, at their roster, that this is another coach, another general manager, hired out of the 49ers staff, out of that 49ers tree, that is now necessary, looking for coaches and looking to people to bring in. And the Texans raided the 49ers a year ago and brought in some of their guys when they hired D'Amico Ryans. They also brought in Bobby Slowick, who's getting interest from a lot of guys. Ryan Carthen uh, from the Titans, the general manager of the Titans now, is also a 49ers guy. And now the commanders, another 49ers guy. Do they go and try and get some of the guys they like from the Texans and offer them bigger positions after we saw what the Texans have been able to achieve? Bobby Slowick jump up the ranks to a head coach in one year? I, I wasn't as worried about it until you see another 49ers coach get pulled up there, another 49ers general manager, another 49ers executive get another job, and you're just spreading out that tree. It's an interesting hire. Uh, you know, you never really know what general managers until they get behind and do it themselves. Uh, but it's interesting to see what the commanders will do from here uh, moving forward in their coaching search. Uh, we do get NFL playoffs this weekend. By the way, text lines open, 512-447-3776. We'll get to them in just a minute. Uh, but I do want to hit some of these games uh, before we go to the text line. Uh, just to give you some so a quick breakdown. I won't go too far into it. 
uh, into the games and, and give you too much. We'll talk about them more on the text line. If you've got questions about games or theories or takes or whatever about the games on the text line, send that in, and then we'll talk more about whatever you guys want to talk about in the games. Uh, but I don't have the big statistical breakdowns. Uh, I'm going to play you some stuff from uh, Hook Em Up with Ian Rob B with Rob Babers going through because Rob Babers has all the stats. I'll play you some of that. Uh, but we'll look at the games kind of in order. Let's go in order of how the games are going to go. Uh, the Browns and the Texans are playing tomorrow. That'll be the first game of the playoffs. We know that the Browns are favored by a point and a half. It is in Houston, so that's a positive there. They did play a couple weeks ago, and the Browns won. However, that was a Case Keenum starting game. That was a game where I believe Case Keenum played so badly that they put in Davis Mills, and it's a really good defense. The Browns have a great defense. Their offense can get going well. Amari Cooper put up 265 yards passing or receiving against the Texans, which is always frustrating to see you get just lit up in the in the passing game. Texans are a little bit healthier in that defensive end than they were, and the big piece, C.J. Stroud, is back. We will say that on the Brown side, that everybody looks like they're going to be playing. It seems like Denzel Ward, their Pro Bowl cornerback, is going to be in and be playing in the game. It seems like Amari Cooper will be back and playing in the game. It seems like Miles Garrett, who is hurting, is going to be playing in the game. But the question is, can you can you hit them hard enough and continue to hit them hard enough that their uh, productivity diminishes throughout the game? They have to miss some plays, and you're able to make big plays because this Browns defense as good as it is, is so much based in the pass rush. That's where they're based, and that's where C.J. Stroud is going to have to step up and handle the business to get the ball out, continue to not get flustered. He's been very good at checking down and getting the ball out and not taking sacks this season. He's been very good at when things aren't available, checking down immediately and just trying to get that four and five yards and using the, the run game out of the passing game to try and get some sort of yardage and not take sacks and not take huge hits because they're going to be coming after him for sure. And I think you're going to see some play action from these Texans as well. As we've seen that Singletary has really been the guy who's come on. Damian Pierce was the one everybody wanted to be the guy in Houston. Uh, Had a great rookie season. Has never quite fit in to this Bobby Slowick running offense. And Singletary has figured it out a lot quicker. Uh, Since week nine, he's averaged four and a half yards a carry. So he's not getting a ton of carries, but he is averaging four and a half yards a carry, which is pretty good for you. The Browns are allowing five and at one five, uh, just over five yards per carry. So if the Browns are having just over five yards, allowing five yards per carry, and Singletary's around that number as well, it bodes well for the Texans that one of their weakest points is that run game, that they should be able to get some yardage on the ground. The more yards you can get on the ground, the more you can use that play action, give C.J. Stroud a little bit more time to try and find uh, C.J. Uh, Nico Collins downfield or find Robert Woods downfield. Uh, but that's going to be the question. Is King of the Browns pass rush get home? Can that offensive line that the Texans have spent a lot of time and money uh, trying to build, can Laramie Tunsil have a big game? He's not thrilled that he's not on that all-pro first team, so he's not happy about that. Can he use that to get himself up to play for this Browns team? I think the Texans have a good shot to win this one. Uh, I you know, I, I think Derek Stingley's going to have a good game. If you can get in there and get a turnover or two on Joe Flacco as well, those are going to be big plays. Because we know Flacco's been playing well, but he still turns the ball over at a high rate. After that game, we have the Dolphins and Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by negative four, or by, by, by four points. However, this is going to be a game about weather again. 
that there's supposed to be a wind chill of negative 30. It could be uh, below zero at kickoff. And we know with games like this that are very cold, it tends to go to the running game. And a lot of times it goes to a power running game. That's not what the Dolphins have. There there is no power running game for the Dolphins. Uh, Can Raheem Mostert and uh, Devin A-Chain get in and stay healthy in this weather and run the ball because if you're relying on Tua to make big plays, I don't know if that's going to work out for you. I think you're also going to see screens and other options to get Tyreek the ball quickly and see if he can use his feet with the ball in hand and what can he do there. But Mike McDaniel's probably drawing up some plays, one of the best offensive minds in the game, uh, trying to draw up some plays like that. For the Chiefs, the big news is Isaiah Pacheco has been trending up the entire end of the season, playing better and better. He's going to need to be a big part of this game because the Chiefs wide receivers haven't been able to catch all season. They haven't been able to catch a ball when perfect temperatures, indoors. And now you're going to put him out in a huge game against some good secondary in in Dolphins. I know they're beat up a little bit in that secondary, but they still have some decent players out there. I don't know if Xavier Bryce is going to be able to play or not. If he plays, especially they got some good defenders back there. But to see what they can do, Xavier Howard, sorry, uh, if they can get out there. And I, I just don't know if the the Chiefs are going to be able to get any offense going. It's going to be all about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Pacheco for that offense. If you are able, if this, if the Dolphins offense is able to move the ball, if this running game of Mostert and Edchan is able to move the ball, they win the game. If they can't, they lose. It really comes down to as simple as that, that if they can run the ball in this cold weather and they can use their speed and Kansas City can't get up to that speed because they're just too cold and they're just too you know, frozen in the world to, to move, that is going to be a, the problem for the Chiefs. I still think the Chiefs can get this game with their experience, with their defense, how well Spags has got that defense going. I have the Chiefs winning this one as well. And uh, starting on Sunday, Steelers and Bills, this one seems pretty simple. Now, they are hiring people to shovel the field and shovel the stadium for Buffalo. They've already put it out, put it out an ad. If you're 18 years, if you're over 18 years old and able-bodied, you can show up Saturday night at 10 p.m. and start shoveling the stadium to work overnight through the night shoveling the stadium to get it ready for the the Steelers and Bills where it's completely covered in snow right now. That's they really have that going on. The Steelers, look, the reality is Steelers are barely winning games right now. Their offense is abysmal. TJ Watt is out. It's going to be another game where you're going to have to run the ball. And look, I I like Najee Harris, but I think Josh Allen is going to be able to do what he does in this game. Josh Allen wins the game, and he may turn the ball over twice, three times, and still win this game. I think Josh Allen's going to be too much. It is an interesting note. Both coach, both uh, offensive coordinators fired this year uh, for the Steelers, or for the Steelers and Bills. Uh, of course, a big game, Packers and Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys are a seven-point favorite in this game. This is, a, this is another game where the Cowboys probably get lucky like the Texans do, that they're playing against not a great run defense. The Packers are ninth in pass D, but they're 23rd in rushing defense. They're also 19th in first-half scoring. I think you're going to be able to see te- the Cowboys still be able to get CeeDee Lamb. I don't know if they have anybody who can cover CeeDee Lamb. Get some points on the board early, and then in that second half, the 23rd in rushing defense, allow Rico Doddle and, du- and uh, Tony Pollard to carry the ball and stretch this game out and try and use ball control in that second half, try and hold on to a 7- or 14-point lead 
and just be able to push the ball. And that Packers defense, I don't know if they're going to be able uh, to stop the Cowboys. This seems like a game that the Cowboys should have in hand. Now, we know they have it in the past in the playoffs. We know the history between these two teams. Jordan Love's having a hell of a season, but I just don't see him getting to the point against this Cowboys team, how well they're playing right now, and a pissed-off Micah Parsons who uh, feels he is being disrespected as he feels he is the best defender in football, and he is not making the first-team All-Pros. He is going to second-team, and I think that's pissing him off. That's a good thing for the Cowboys. So you want to have a pissed-off Micah Parsons trying to kill Jordan Love. That would be a fun thing. And uh, finally, on Sunday night, Rams and Lions. The Lions are 27th in passing defense. The Rams are going to put up points on them. They're just going to. Sean McVay's too good of an offensive coach to not put up points against a really weak secondary in Detroit. And so that means if Detroit wants to win this game, Jared Goff has to show that Sean McVay was wrong. I think Matthew Stafford is going to have no problem ripping the heart out of Detroit Lions fans. I don't think he'll have any problem doing that. But I think that Jared Goff, if they want to have a shot in this game, he has to be great. He cannot turn the ball over and give the ball back to this, this Los Angeles offense. They've just been playing too good at the end of the season. Sean McVay's too good of a coach, and I don't see any opportunity if Jared Goff turns the ball over. He needs to be the guy he was a couple years ago when he first came to Detroit, and really people were going high on They were pretty high on him last year, and then this year he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been the same guy and been as electric. You need to have that guy in the game. Eagles and Buccaneers play on Monday. We'll talk about that more on Monday. Hopefully we will uh, we'll not all be iced in there on Monday. We'll get to all of that. Uh, let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll. We'll take a quick break and come back and hit up that text line. Let's hit the poll, though. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day today. You know, there's a lot of playoff superstitions. People have playoff beards. People get haircuts, mohawks, dye their hair, do whatever for the playoffs uh, and say, until we lose, we're going to play and we're going to keep going. Those are playoff superstitions. Do you have one? Do you have one that you wear your same outfit same jersey, you wear the same jacket, do you not wash a lucky pair of underwear during the playoffs, do you keep your hair cut, do you not shave, do you not brush your teeth, that's pretty gross, but is there something you don't do or do do during the playoffs that is your superstition that you do until your team gets knocked out and then you don't care or whatever else, or do you, you just not, you're not a superstitious person, let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776, your playoff superstitions for your team and what do you do to make sure that your team, you're in solidarity with your team to get the win. All right, text line's open, 512-447-3776. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will get into uh, your text, and we'll also get into a little uh, Behind the Burn Orange Curtain with uh, Ian Robbie. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn.
Back on the Sports Complex, it is a 512 Friday where we are playing all local music that you can go check out around town this weekend. This is Paul Val. He's going to be playing, doing a recording tonight and tomorrow night at Continental Club. So you can check out Paul Val. He is killing it right now. Uh, just an awesome player. Uh, awesome, you know, sings well too, does everything well. Go check out Paul Val. He's playing tonight and tomorrow night at Continental Club. All right. Back on the sports complex here on the horn. Uh, I want to play some sound uh, from hook him up with Ian Rod B. Uh, text line is open as well. 512-447-3776. I did see someone says uh, Dan Lanning. Are you talking about the villain in the sting? I, you know, I can tell you I've not seen the sting, but I did mean Dan Lanning. Sorry, did Dan Lanning. This is the crazy part. I will tell you of doing a show like this is you, you do it. And then you, you know, I do other work in the morning. I kind of prep a little bit in the morning and you try and get prepped. And then I show up and I do more prep and I'm writing down all these names and writing down and you're trying to write. And then it just, everything's a mush when you start to try to start talking about it. Everything just mushes together and you forget names that you've said a hundred times. So uh, I apologize, but yes, uh, Dan Lanning, the coach from Oregon is who I meant to say there. Uh, I do want to play some sound from a uh, hook him up with Ian Robbie. Uh, they were talking about uh, some Texas news. Quinn Ewers coming back. What it means for Texas? Uh, that was a, it's a replay from the show on uh, today. Uh, we'll play that little replay, and then we'll get to the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six with your questions and your comments. If you want to jump in the poll, uh, what is your playoff superstition? Since the NFL playoffs are starting uh, tomorrow, it's going to be a fun two days of watching football. I know that. But here's a uh, hook them up with Ian Robbie replay right here on the Sports Complex. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the uh, headlines coming out of the 40 Acres. And I think a few of them are really positive headlines. And um, one is Quinn coming back. We talked about that. Played the sound from his announcement that he posted uh, via social media yesterday. Uh, it seemed like it was almost like a news dump. It just came. <laughs> we were waiting on the Quinn Ewers announcement. Everybody expected him to announce that he was coming back to school, but he did it in a very low-key fashion. I think that's just a personality of Quinn Ewers, kind of a low-key guy. Uh, but he did announce he was coming back. Really good news for the Longhorns. His Heisman odds, I believe right now, he is tied for the best Heisman odds along with Jalen Milrow. Um, and this will truly be Quinn Ewers' team, him coming back. You know, the, the first couple of years he's been here, uh, it hasn't been really his team, right? He's been more of a, of a complimentary piece, and he has been more of an observer to it being Bijan and Rojo's team when he first got here. And even last season, uh, this past season, I should say, it was more about the great skill talent around him, right? Elite skill talent. A.D. Mitchell was going to be drafted in the first two rounds. So will Xavier Worthy. So will J.T. Sanders. Um, I mean, I can't think of the last time Texas had three offensive skill players taken in the first two rounds. It's been a while. Right, uh, and I, Texas is going to have that ability, and, and uh, we don't know where Jay Brooks is going to go. Jay Brooks ends up being drafted maybe in the third round. So you had a lot of great skill talent that was able to uplift the play of Quinn Ewers. This season, it'll be on him to make the others around him better. These are unproven commodities. These are young, inexperienced guys as opposed to the really experienced guys who you had great chemistry and continuity with the, the first two years. Now it's going to be up to Quinn, who's a veteran in the system. He's got uh, you know familiarity and intimate familiarity with this system now in his third year. He should be able to teach the system. In the third, I remember Tom Herman telling me um, and Sam Mellinger's, I believe that was Sam's third year um uh it was yeah sam's third year and i remember 
Tom Herman saying, oh, no, Sam knows my system, my offensive system so well now. He tells me, he, reveal, he makes, he makes uh, checks and reveals things about my system that I didn't know. <laughs> he's, uh, he's revealing different uh, concepts and different loopholes within the system that, I, that he didn't realize because that's how uh, intimately knowledgeable Sam Ellinger was in that Tom Herman system um, by his third and fourth year. And I think that's where Quinn is now in his third year. He should know that Sark system so well. He should be able to teach it, which he will be doing in the offseason when he's organizing the, the throwing session. He's organizing the seven on seven, organizing the team workouts. He, he should be teaching it to these youngsters. So a lot of the ground that needs to be made up with chemistry, with continuity, with timing, uh, these young receivers learning the offense, uh, getting adapted and acclimated to the offense, that'll be re- Quinn's responsibility. And it'll be happening in the offseason, stuff where we cannot see and we can't observe. And that, that is something I, I can't wait to see how he responds. I think he's going to respond really well to it. He even remarked that he was looking forward to the burden of that type of leadership. And that's what it is when it's your team. And this is going to be Quinn's team. All right? That's going to be part of his legacy. Um, you know, last year, like I said, it was – it was a collection of, of skilled talent and star talent at the skilled positions. Before that, hell, same thing, but Bijan and Rojo's team pretty much in terms of the identity of the offense. The identity of this offense, the identity of this team will be it's Quinn's team. And it's not, it's not your Byron Murphy and Tawandre Sweat, the D tackles. That won't be the, the, the talk. It ain't Jalen Ford. It's this Quinn's team. Yeah. Period. You're right about that. And that'll be the narrative, and I can't wait to see well, you're how one he of, responds. Year one, of course, he had to beat out uh, Hudson Card, so there's a quarterback competition, yeah. so it really couldn't be his team. And then, yeah, Bijan and Roshan were so uh, integral to the leadership uh, roles, and you know that was picked up by, as you said, Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat and Jalen Ford uh, this year. And, you know, Quinn Ewers was elevated by his receiving corps. Yes, he was. Um, you know, Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and, you know, as you said, J.T. Sanders, all guys are going to be off playing on Sundays, helped elevate Quinn, and now Quinn's got to help elevate everybody else. He's got to be the guy. And, you know, as you were, Rod, you were a football researcher, you're a football studier of the game. That's what Quinn's got to be. Yeah. Uh, Quinn's got to get dig, dig, get, mm-hmm. dig down deep. Uh, somebody said Quinn needs to work on his footwork. I would agree with that. You know, yeah. study, study C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. I think C.J. Stroud is some of the best footwork of any quarterback uh, at any level. Mm-hmm. If you watch him play the Browns tomorrow, watch his base, watch his feet, watch how he keeps his wide base, and he's always in a position to throw the ball. It's really, really good. It's one of the reasons he's so accurate, Rod, because he keeps his feet, uh, and he keeps them active. But then when it's time, man, that ball's gone. Uh, But he's always off a solid – if he's in the pocket, he's off a strong platform. That's something Quinn, I think, struggles with because he kind of gets off his feet a little bit. He'll get off his back foot, and he'll start leaning Mm -hmm. around, and he'll want to make that little sidearm throw. Off-platform throw, which he can make. But like you said, you don't – why make – Make it harder on yourself yeah. when you can go through the mechanics and be Balance. a little bit more sound. And you're right about that, I th- and I agree with that. I think when he tries to, when he gets deeper into his progression, that's why people say he's a first-read quarterback and a one-read quarterback. Um, and that's true. I think he's more of a first-read than a one-read. One-read would imply you can't get through a progression read. I think he can. I think he becomes erratic, though, and, and the footwork is a part of that. I think his mechanics start to suffer when he gets deeper into his progressions, and he starts to see – and he sees pressure 
instead of feeling pressure. He yeah. looks at it, and I think that's why ultimately he gets erratic with his feet. I think he, you know, the, the, the panics the, the a little bit. Road. Yeah, I think that's why it happens, and I think that's why Sark decided to tell him, listen, you can scramble a little bit more. That that first read is gone, and you start to freak out, and you feel yourself freaking out, and you're not calm, and all right, you're run. not, you know, <laughs> cool. just get out of there and just go run, run forest, or, or check it down. There'll be a check down. You check down's right there. Just check it down. And this season, was he done? Run and check down. I think the NFL wants to see him because you can't be running uh, in the NFL all the time. They have your check downs, but the NFL wants to see that first that first round quarterback get deeper into a progression. Get to your second, get to your third read with sound mechanics, with sound footwork, like you said, and still like CJ Stroud does, be able to get to your third read in a progression and still make a sound accurate throw from a great base. That's what they want to see from Quinn, because right now Quinn, when is we start to the first read, he's the best quarterback in the country. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. When he's throwing to his first read, you can make the argument he's the best. I know you're like, what? That's great. Even, even going up against Caleb, Caleb Williams is best actually deeper into the play. He's actually best on his second reaction plays. Yeah. When the play breaks down is when he's actually at his best. Right now they want to see him go through actual natural pocket progressions <laughs> and stay in the pocket with him. Everybody's got their own data points of evaluation that they need to work on. But for Quinn, when Quinn's hitting the first read, when his first read is open, it's accurate. The ball, the, the touch is there, ball placement. But when he's got to get to that second and third, that's when things get a little bit off. He sees the pressure, and you'll notice sometimes the ball comes out and the accuracy is a little off, or his, he's throwing off platform, or like you, you, uh, he just remarked the back foot. But if he gets deeper into the progressions and he's able to make uh, accurate throws with the proper mechanics and with sound footwork, I think that's going to be the next challenge for him. And feeling the pressure, not seeing it. That's the Penix X-Man ability. He feels pressure well, against Michigan. He, feel, he felt it and he saw it. Um, usually, quarterbacks feel that pressure, but the eyes are downfield, and the mechanics, they stay sound because you're continuing to keep your eyes downfield and you're going through progressions, thinking about throwing the football. Once you see that pressure, as a, your, your natural instincts are going to take over, and you're going to want to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Or you're going to take your eyes off of the route uh, progressions, and you, your eyes are going to go to the guy that's coming to take your head off. And how can you not? How can you not freak out about that when you start when you see it? Yeah. And I think for him, he's got to in his periphery. He's got to feel it, and he doesn't do that as well, which I think he will. That's the development, though. Yeah. That's uh, that's a quarterback coming uh, because I mean, in high school at South Lake Carroll, he's all one progression reads, yeah. right? Boom. Uh, everything Guys there. Yeah. Uh, and then he didn't play his senior year, and we know he didn't play at Ohio State. So everything he's doing is in real time at Texas, and it's been you know was was ugly at times in year one, and Sark was was. Willing to let him take his lumps and uh, learn from it, he got better in year two, and much better. You expect to if they have a if there's a similar leap in year three, it's going to be pretty damn good next year. Heisman finalist because the one thing I'll say for Quinn, even though the flaws are there, thirty-seven touchdowns and twelve interceptions, he doesn't turn the ball over. No, typically, I agree with that. And that's a that's a great place to start. You'd much I mean I mean thirty-seven touchdowns, twelve picks. Uh, as a two-year starter. So he's taking care of the football. Now he's got to take that next step as a as a progression quarterback. Good stuff right there, Rod Babers. I agree. Good stuff right there, Rod Babers. That is uh, some behind the burnt orange curtain. Every uh, They do it uh, every day there. Uh, my, uh, weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on the Horn. From e, hook him up with Ian Rod B. Uh, but good stuff there, talking about the importance of Quinn Ewers coming back. And now we know we figured when that happened that Sark wasn't going anywhere. That was the assumption. Uh, but he makes that uh, known as well that Sark will not be going anywhere. And for year three into a system, when you're seeing guys like what Penix did and, and you know, there's too many names to mention of quarterbacks that when they get to that, you know, third, fourth, fifth year in a system, 
they can really start to pick teams apart and really start to take them to that next level. His progression from year one to year two in the system was a monumental leap. He was not a bad quarterback his first year, but his second year he was a much better quarterback. You can believe that that would be something that he will come in and be even better in year three under Sark on this offense. Now he's going to have to go up against some really tight defenses and really good defenses going into the SEC. He's going to have to learn some new tendencies from defensive coordinators. He's going to have to learn to have some new targets. You know, there. I mean, there's some of those, like Isaiah Bond, Alabama transfer, a guy that Texas has looked at and talked to and everything else may end up at Tech. May, he may not, but that's somebody who's transferring out of Alabama, uh, was one of the first in the portal uh, after the news that Nick Saban was stepping down. He may want to head over and hang out with Sark there in Texas. Uh, so that would be something to add him in with them with the Matthew Golden and and all the great young wide receivers Texas has. Because I think that's the thing. You do want to bring in a Jontae Cook and guys like that to step up to that next, the next generation of wide receivers at Texas. However, you know, if you're trying to stay in that college ball playoff area, then you need to bring in some veterans as well. You may see more rotation at the wide receiver position next season than you saw this season where he basically had his guys and they played as many snaps as they possibly could and they got all the targets. Uh, that may You may see a little bit more of a rotation uh, come next season, but you may not. Sark may find his guys again, and that is the lineup he rolls out there with. He is big on trust. He is big on getting guys that he wants to be the guy, and uh, we'll see next season what he tries to trot out there. Uh, but let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to the text line. It's open, 512-447-3776. If you have anything you want to talk about the NFL playoffs, about all the coaching news and, and the news in college football, send that in. Uh, if you have anything to add to our poll of the day, what is your playoff superstition? Do you have one that you like to do? Do you go extra in the playoffs? Do you throw bigger parties in the playoffs? Do you watch games by yourself in the playoffs? Do you have anything that in the playoffs you watch football differently or do life differently because it's a playoffs than regular season? Let us know in the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will get into the text line. We'll keep it going here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. It's a 512 Friday where we play local bands that are going to be around town this weekend. You can go catch them live. This is Trouble in the Streets. They're going to be playing Saturday at Antone's. So if you get uh, enjoy all your Saturday activities and watching the, the playoffs and Texas basketball and all that, and they decide you want to head out, they'll be playing Saturday at Antone's. Or if you know you don't get Peacock and you get mad because Peacock is carrying the game and they don't. I just hey, look. I tweeted this out. Find a wrestling fan. All us wrestling fans have Peacock 
because it's the WWE Network, and so we, to watch all the old wrestling that we like, we have to have, uh, you know, you and then all the premium live events and all that stuff, you have to have Peacock, so we already have it. So just go find yourself a wrestling fan and tell them you'll watch whatever match that they want to watch if they let you watch the Chiefs and, and Dolphins game. It's gonna. It, I don't know how good of a game it's going to be with those temperatures and a Dolphins team that is not used to those temperatures, and Kansas City's a little bit more used to it, but their wide receivers can't catch anyway. So who knows? Uh, let's get to the text line, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, texter says, Isaiah Bond to Texas is a move to watch. Yes, it is. A wide receiver out of Alabama. Uh, he is somebody that Texas fans should keep an eye on, check out. There's no, you know, I haven't heard anything more than he would probably like Sark's system that there's been talks about in the past. And so there, there's a... There's a chance it'll happen, but I think it's all pretty fresh, so we'll see if that's where he decides to end up or if he has another uh, destination in mind. Uh, and, you know, now that they've hired Kalen DeBoer, technically he can pull his name back out of the portal and say, okay, I'm happy to play here. I liked what that offense was. Uh, let's see. Phil the Thrill says, uh, if I were prospective Bama recruit, Kalen DeBoer does not move the needle for me. Get me pumped. What say you? And I'll throw this one in because this is another text. Uh, do you think DeBoer will be uh, as good of a coach without Pinnix? He had him at Indiana and Washington, and is it true? Lorenzo says, is it true that DeBoer is the next coach for Alabama? Yes, DeBoer is the next coach at Alabama. Alabama has now put that out there. He is going to be the next coach, and a lot of people asking about uh, will will it move and is he going to be good? DeBoer's won everywhere he's been, so I think he's going to be a very good coach. The biggest issue he's going to have to deal with is changing his mentality, his sales pitch, and his coaching from being the underdog. And, I mean, you can still have some of that, but you're Alabama, and you are the team. You're the team the same way Texas is, where everybody in the Big 12 wanted to beat Texas, and we go to the, the SEC. I bet everybody's going to want to beat Texas, too. But, you know, you come from a place where everybody wants to meet Texas, or everybody wants to beat Texas, and everybody wants to beat Alabama. Everybody wants to go after you, and now they feel some weakness, and they smell some blood in the water. They want to beat you, but you're not the underdog. You can't claim to be the underdog when – Nick Saban had more first-round draft picks than losses, that no one was beating you. You can't claim to be the underdog anymore. So once you can't claim to be the underdog, can Kellen DeBoer get his guys to that next level? Can he sell these guys that are the top recruits, that he's not going to recruit a three-star and tell him, I think you have greatness in you, let's go achieve that greatness at Washington? He's going to have to sell five stars yeah, everyone's telling you you're great, but you should come play for me, and this is why. So he's got to shift the narrative a little bit about what he does. But he's a great coach. I think he can do it. And if you're saying, I don't know if it moves a needle, you know, I, I think you're thinking of it in the sense of not being an 18-year-old kid who's, whose entire college football watching experience of real watching is probably a seven-year, eight-year period where Kalen DeBoer has been a factor for a couple of years, especially if they watch Pac-12 at all. You know, anybody on that West Coast, he's going to open up the West Coast that may not be as, you know, hooked into SEC. He probably has more connections over in that area. He's also got the connections in the Indiana area where he was coaching there before. So I think he's got some areas where he'll be able to go into and people have seen him coach and seen his success. But you're thinking of it more in the sense of, no, I want somebody whose name I've heard for 10 years, not a guy who I had a friend who texted me today. And and I said, DeBoer's going to be the coach. It looks like DeBoer's going to be the coach at Alabama. His response was, who is DeBoer and what happened to the Washington coach? 
And it was like, well, those are the same person, and that's the reason. But that was, you know, some people just don't, never picked up. You know, you lose sight of it, and I lose sight of it because I talk about this every day, that you lose sight that some people just didn't, you know, may not know who he is. So there is some of that, that he's not as well the name marketability is at Nick Saban. But for a high school player who's 17 years old, 16 years old, and you figure since he was 10 to 12 is when he really started paying attention to college football, Kalen DeBoer is not that crazy of a name to fit in there when you go into recruiting. Now, for the parents, it may be different, but they'll look at his record. They'll look at what he's been able to do at smaller levels and say, this guy's a great coach. And offensively, the numbers he put up at Washington would make you think, okay, this is a guy I want to go play for. For Sark, it wasn't necessarily his track record because his track record at USC wasn't good when he was recruiting here at Texas. But his offense was something people wanted to get into. And when people see what he did with Michael Penix, that took a guy that people thought, you know, that still think that he's not a, you know, the top talent and took some wide receivers that weren't the top guys and made him that. I think some people may want to jump in and have him as a coach. I don't think it's a bad, I don't think that it's going to hurt the recruiting a ton in that sense. I think it hurts recruiting more in the fact that Kalen DeBoer is just not necessarily the BS salesman that you got to be to be a recruiter. Like Dan Lanning is really good at selling. He is a expert salesman of, I will make Oregon the greatest program. He got two transfer quarterbacks. That's how good of a salesman Dan Lanning is. And Kalen DeBoer is not that guy. He's a great coach, but he may not be the salesman they need at Alabama. But if Nick Saban stays on and helps in that area to transition and teach him, he could be creating a monster at Alabama. Now, time will tell, can he not go coach with the underdog mentality? Can he go in and continue to coach and not build a team up? And is he going to be able to keep flipping players and have a new quarterback every one or two years and be able to continue to make the college ball playoffs? That only time will tell. But as far as people wanting to play for him, I think offensively, people definitely will want to play in that system. Defensively is the question – you know, how much is it hit system? Does he bring his guy that he's been with for a long time, defensive coordinator for Washington? Do the guys want to play in that system? I think that may be more what is to see. Is it do they lose some edge on the defensive end? That'll be a question to see uh, with Kalen DeBoer coming in. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get back to the text line 512 447 3776. Hit some uh, basketball talk, reset the stories. It's a basketball talk. We'll do that when we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.